Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the 58th episode of the Baseball Eyes Have It podcast. I am your host, Chris Blessing. I am solo hosting this episode of the Eyes Have It podcast, meaning I'm the only voice that will be heard with the exception of an ad from our good friend, Patrick Davitt at Baseball HQ Radio, uh, which we'll throw out there a little later. Um, today, I'll answer a few uh, listener questions, cover a few prospects I've scouted off video this week and talk about some of the lessons I've learned from the debuting prospects this season. But first, let's talk about June coverage. I call June my video month. It is also when I usually begin to check in with my contacts throughout the country, uh, both amateur and on the pro side. Um, having a full-time job doesn't really afford me the opportunity to scout the other leagues. Uh, I don't have in-person looks and uh, coverage in. so. Uh, it's usually until I have a break in my schedule, which tends to coincide with the month of June. Double uh, A tends to not have much coverage around me because they have a concert that comes uh, the first weekend of June. So usually the lookouts, uh, the, the squad that I cover here, are out of town for two weeks. Uh, it used to sometimes be three weeks uh, when the All-Star break was uh, tagged in there, but now the All-Star break is at the same time as the Major League All-Star break. Uh, so it makes it kind of easier on me in June to actually see in-person uh, baseball. And then High A, it's usually a bunch of repeats, uh, which we've had multiple clubs repeat already um, and more to come. But I, I will get to see a new-to-me club um, in a couple weeks. Um well, when I do do my video scouting, I usually start with my AA uh, looks, and then I move down the chain. So that means that this week I I actually had to get a jump on my video scouting since I didn't go cover any baseball. And so we'll talk about four AA prospects I scouted this week, but a little bit later on in this uh, broadcast. June is when I start catching up on my first-year player draft scouting for the summer in 2024. Uh, for instance, outside of my coverage area for the organization, I haven't really paid attention to anyone outside of the top guys in this year's draft. Uh, I have enough video to go through for the college prospects. I find video and use my network of contacts to get information to form my opinion on uh, prep prospects. Uh, we'll, in the coming weeks, start talking about some of the draft prospects. I'm hoping to have a guest on um, either late June or early July that will really um, share some good knowledge with everyone about the draft, um, kind of under a gag order. So that's another thing. Um, I have to get permission from the club that I help out that I can talk about certain prospects. Uh, it's worked out in the past. I haven't gone to them since, um, you know, it was a year where we didn't really have much coverage, uh, 2021. 
And I brought guys like Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker and Ty Madden, who uh, incidentally I almost scouted this week. I I just didn't get to Ty Madden, uh, who's put up some decent numbers in the Tigers organization. Um, you know, one of the few prospects is, is uh, seemingly working out uh, on the mound in the upper minors for them right now. Um, so uh, right now, I don't have much in-person coverage scheduled for June. Uh, I have actually two teams that I haven't seen this year come into the come into my uh, coverage area at the same time, uh, and that's going to be next week. And that's uh, the high A team for the Rangers, Hickory. They have prospects Matt Bratt, uh, Emiliano uh, Teodo. Um, they had Kumar Rocker before he got hurt. Uh, it's unfortunate. I would have liked to see Rocker, especially since uh, he's pitched pretty well before the injury. Um, the other team coming in next week is in AA, the AA White Sox, Birmingham, who I tried to see earlier this year, but uh, they were in the same time as Bowling Green, uh, which had uh, Junior Caminero and was a priority for me. And now that Caminero's in AA, I'm sure when Montgomery comes to town later this year, I'll see Caminero again. Um, but get back to Birmingham. Y'all have heard my takes already on Brian Ramos and Jose Rodriguez from last season, uh, two White Sox position prospects, so we'll get looks at them again. And uh, Christian, Christian Mina, who I covered the website last year off a of video look, uh, will be good to see him in person. And then after that, coverage is kind of dry until the very end of June, uh, and this will be something that you'll hear in July, possibly. It could be at the website, but... Um, we'll have Tennessee looks, um, Tennessee double-A for the Cubs. And that includes guys like Pete Crow Armstrong, Owen Casey, Jordan Wicks, and DJ Hertz. Uh, really, really good looks. Um, unfortunately, they don't come until the end of the month. Um, I, I mean, I've been blessed so far. I've had some good looks. I had the Cabanero looks. Um, I also had the Churio looks. Uh, had a uh, mayor look. I mean, it's been a really good year for top prospects for me. Uh, of course, seeing uh, Novi Marte almost every time out has been great. Uh, so, like, it, it's I've been blessed. I'm I'm ready for this break. So, uh, this break is going to be awesome for me uh, and be able to recover uh, from a pretty hectic first few months of the season uh, outside my house. Um, so. Uh, essentially, it's to the videotape, so uh, I hope you guys enjoy uh, some of the coverage. Uh, I'll also have uh, some data intertwined with uh, my video looks as well, uh, since I'll be able to get some of that, um, uh, you know, talking to my contacts and, and using my sources and, the, and, and also looking at the Savant data that we're all able to see uh, on BaseballSavant.com for the for the leagues with Hawkeye, essentially the automated or the challenge strike zones uh, in AAA or in uh, low A Florida State League. So um, just look forward to that coming up. We'll get to the Q and A um, real quick. I have three questions. I've I've actually turned it really into two questions, and then the final question is going to be about a prospect who I've decided to write up this week, uh, or not write up, but I decided to scout him for this uh, for this broadcast. Uh, but first, my first question is from Steve. 
On Twitter, James Woods recently got promoted uh, to Double A. From what I read, the high A league he was in was more of a pitcher's league. I was wondering what kind of league would you consider his Double A team in, and do they use the pre-tack ball? Well, uh, yes, everybody. James Wood um, debuted this last weekend in Double A, Double uh, A Eastern League for Harrisburg. Um, this was a move up from Wilmington. Wilmington is um, it's not a hitter's park uh, per se. Harrisburg is is a better hitter's park. Um, as for the leagues, um, I, I kind of see them as even. I don't necessarily see either league being extremely uh, hard on hitters. It's not like uh, the Florida State League, um, but it's also neither of these leagues are also a positive um, environment for hitters, um, like the Texas League or the California League. Uh, so, like, I don't really see any difference between the competition um, or uh, not the competition level. Obviously, the competition level's up, um, but um, the level of uh, ballpark affecting James Woods, I don't, I don't see that happening except that he's moved out of a, a very pitcher-friendly park, which if most of you remember, one of uh, Brent Hershey's parks that he covers baseball out of is Wilmington and you know, Wilmington has made some sluggers blush, uh, like Nick Prado and um, uh, MJ Melendez of the Royals. Like, I mean, it's it's definitely not Asheville, which is in the same league in the southern part of the league in High A um, South Atlantic League, but is a home run haven. Uh, so, like, really and truly in High A South Atlantic League. Um, Brent and I have probably the two hardest uh, offensive parks, um, me and Rome, him and Wilmington. So it's always kind of interesting to get those looks and, and to really see guys uh, hit the ball and thrive there. But I, I think Woods is going to a better, uh, better place now um, that will help him achieve uh, offensive greatness. Uh, I'm a big James Wood fan. Uh, you'll see an article this week on the website for subscribers from me on James Wood and Jordan Holiday. I'm covering both of them. We're going to figure out who the top prospect in fantasy baseball is right now. Um, last week we talked uh, uh, Jackson Chorio. Um, we talked a little bit about Jordan Walker and Eli De La Cruz in the subscription uh, side of things. So again, on here. If you're not subscribing to Baseball HQ, you're missing out on a lot of great content, not just from me, not just from the Miners team, but the entire site. Um, on to the second question, and I, I learned that the person who asked this question is good friends with Ryan Bloomfield. Actually, Ryan Bloomfield beat uh, Scott, uh, the guy who asked this question in golf the other day, um, which is, I, I think, rude. I don't want to hear my listeners losing to Ryan Bloomfield. Uh, so, uh, you know, Ryan, stop beating them in golf. Um, but anyway, Scott asks, I've been holding on to Austin Martin in the Keeper League. Keep hanging on or move on? We could keep 10 minor leaguers from one year to the next with no penalty. Ooh, Austin Martin. I haven't even looked up Austin Martin. I was sell last year. I was probably sell even before that. Uh, Martin's not looking great. Um, and, and continues to struggle. Um, I don't have a stat line right now. It, it's just I don't see where the outcome is where he's really a successful fantasy uh, producer. So, like, 
that's a um that's a hard one um my final question was actually about mike vassal uh right-handed pitcher for the mets uh unfortunately someone deleted it but i wrote down the question anyway and decided to go ahead and scout vassal um and we'll we'll do this scouting report go to our advertiser which is baseball hq radio right afterwards and then cover the last three guys so uh mike vassal's a right-handed pitcher in the new york mets organization he's currently at double a uh he's six foot five 225 pounds uh he's physically mature he's 23 years old uh vassal kind of has a very interesting track uh to the um to pro baseball um he was available in the draft i think in 2016 or 2017 took his name out of the draft um was a tough signability guy um got some really bad advice probably should have signed mets drafted him in 2021 as a ninth rounder eighth or ninth rounder Uh, i should probably look that up should do better research right um but anyway um vassal was bad at University of Virginia. If you listen to our podcast with uh, uh, with Reese White a few weeks ago, um, Reese and I kind of talk about the um, University of Virginia um, issues developing pitchers specifically. Uh, it, it, it's not a good place, uh, it, or it hasn't been a good place for a lot of guys to come out of and then succeed in pro ball. But uh, Vassal really took to coaching, specifically within the Mets organization, and possibly even outside of baseball, too, uh, or outside of organizational baseball, maybe one of the um, many labs that are out there. It has really kind of turned himself back into a um, projectable um, pitcher. Um, Anyway, he's had a great year. He's a 3.29 ERA, but a .780 whip. 41 innings pitched. He has a 48 to 6 K to walk ratio. It's a pretty, um, you know, we're talking Brett Saberhagen like numbers. I mean, this is a premium, premium uh, control command that, that we're seeing out of him. Um, he's a three quarters right hander. He's a repeatable delivery. Works out of a semi wind up. Uh, uh, stiff leg lift um d- doesn't necessarily use all of his size in his extension but because he's six foot five uh it's solid to above average um extension it's a repeatable delivery yes i don't really care for the leg lift he cuts himself off on the stride um so like you know you're not getting a whole six foot five package um anyway pitch uh he throws four pitches fastball slider change up curveball they're all around the five to 5.5 range uh, on the two to eight um, scouting scale so you were talking about average to above average stuff overall Um, the command plays it all up Uh, i would say it's plus command at this point watching him uh, was a complete artist in in multiple starts Uh, and then of course with that uh, k to walk rate you can understand how he is a plus control guy as well um fastball sits 93 95 it's a four seamer it lives up with solid ride um there's some arm side run not much uh there's sometimes some tails as well maybe some cutting action um it's uh, a I, I would say definitely an above average uh, fastball it doesn't have that la- late explosion to get the plus um but he throws it for strikes 
throws it in the upper half of the zone almost, um, you know, at will. Uh, 71% strike rate. Um, incredible in the three games that I scouted him. Um, also, um, got about 20 to 30% uh, swing and miss uh, in those uh, appearances as well on the fastball. Um, I think that tracks down as the competition gets better. Uh, but still, it's a, it's a workable four-seam fastball, a definite workhorse. He'll throw it probably 45 to 50% of the time. Um, it, he'll be able to use his other pitches. Uh, um, like I said, he has three off-speed pitches. The best of the bunch, in my opinion, is a low to mid-80s curveball. It's a vertical breaker. It has above-average depth. Um, he, he does really good to uh, consistently stay on top of the ball. Um, it has a high strike rate for a curveball. We're, we're talking uh, above 67%, somewhere between the 67 and 70% range. Um, and he does get a significant amount of swings and misses. Uh, he complements that well with his slider, which has a longer break profile. Uh, with uh, early lateral movement, but then late vertical movement, he sits in the 84 to 87 mile power range. Um, also, a strike thrower throws it about about as much uh, for strikes as he does with his fastball, around 70, 71 percent. Um, his miss rate's a little higher. Uh, it, it's not as um, as refined as the curveball, but it's kind of getting there. It has improved uh, a bunch since. I watched video on him last season. Um, and then he rounds it out with a very average uh, changeup that, that he can master his delivery. He, he masters the fastball delivery well. Um, it's an arm side fader. It's not really his big strike pitch. It's uh, in the minor leagues, you see most of the changeups in the 50% strike range. And, he, and that's where he's at. He's at around 56, 57%. Um, uh, but he gets a lot of swings and misses, especially from left-handed hitters, because the consistency of, of the movement of the pitch um, and, and how it, does, it doesn't necessarily fall out of the zone, but it fades out of the zone and fades away from those left-handed swings that are so pull-dominant these days. Um, grading him out, um, I, I, I mean, for me, he's a SP4 I think he's a pretty solid SP4 and a pretty solid bet at getting to that um, that upside. So I have him as an SP4, uh, a 7B uh, prospect. Uh, the other question I was also uh, asked um, on this deleted question was where he fit in the Mets um, um, pitching depth chart in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, I, I think that Tidwell, Blaze Tidwell, is is the number one guy um, just for talent wise he has the most upside talking to sp2 sp3 upside uh i like him there and then i like i actually like vassal before the other guys like uh um dominic hamill and i can't think of the other dude's name um but i i like him a little better than i like those guys because i feel like he's showing exactly what he's going to be at the big league level there, yes, there's probably not the margin of uh, error that some guys have because they have a plus pitch. Um, but, you know, it's command control, and that command control will help him um, get to where he needs to be. So um, if there's any variation to that command and control, 
um, we might get some, might have some worry later on in his development. Um, well, this is a great time to check in with PD over at our flagship podcast, Baseball HQ Radio. Hey, Eyes Have It listeners, PD here from the Baseball HQ Radio podcast. This week's pod is another great Friday full edition featuring an expert interview with Jeff Zimmerman from Rotographs, the Launch Angle podcast, and the Process Fantasy Baseball Manual. He's going to discuss in-season decision-making, which includes effectively monitoring player performance and the true advantage of two-star pitchers. He's going to talk about the cold months of May for Jorge Mateo and Trey Turner, using rest-of-season projections to figure out what you want to do on a week-by-week basis, using a team value approach to adding in drops, and he'll have some boons and banes for the weekend. Plus all the usual great stuff, news analysis with Ray Murphy from BaseballHQ.com, and we'll have our Baseball HQ commentaries. Jeff Zimmerman, available now on this week's Friday Full Edition of the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio, and I hope you'll join us. Thank you, Patrick. Looking forward to that episode. Looking forward to your next episode as well. Uh, Please subscribe and listen to um, Patrick's Baseball HQ Radio, our flagship uh, podcast, on any of your podcasters, or even just go to BaseballHQ.com. We have a widget, just like our widget. There's a widget for Baseball HQ Radio on the right-hand side of the screen. The next prospect we will be looking at today is from the Baltimore Orioles organization. Actually, we have two from the Baltimore Orioles organization. The first one's a guy that I saw in the Arizona uh, Fall League last year. Uh, Heston Kerstad, uh, outfielder for the Orioles, uh, 6'3", 205, left-handed hitter, uh, throws right. Has had a pretty uh, solid year in double-A. 304, 382, 589 slash with 10 home runs, nine doubles, three triples, and a 50% stolen base success rate with three stolen bases. Um, So I scouted him mostly because I was uh, doing my Orioles go through um, and, you know, also looking at Jordan Holiday in his high A looks. I also wanted to check out some of the double A players. See if there was anybody that was uh, maybe holding him uh, back a bit. Um, but anyway, um, Kerstad upright uh, stance, slight open stance actually. Hands above letters and away from the body. There's a uh, as the pitch is delivered, there's a short trigger with a slight bat wrap. Um, he uses a moderate leg lift to, uh, that closes uh, his lower half. Um, it's a longer swing once he starts swinging, but it's a powerful swing at the same time. Uh, and he does uh, achieve solid plate coverage. It's it's above average to plus bat speed. Um, there's ability, um, well, there's a high swing rate. He's, he's mostly a uh, fairly aggressive hitter, but he does make a good bit of contact that has limited some of the strike uh, strikeout issues that could um take place especially with a guy with some longer limbs uh, and that's what he has um he's also very good at keeping his weight back and an ability to adjust to off-speed pitches um even though he does have this powerful swing um he can hold back and um put on good swings even even um um elevate the elevate breakers out of the ballpark uh when his body's already going forward it's a um um you, the power is mostly uh up the middle um 
it's an up the middle approach. Uh, home runs kind of range from left center field to right center field. He did hit one out the opposite way as a left-handed hitter to left field um, this year. Um, as as mentioned, it's the powers between the gaps, but the hits, most of the hits are also uh, between the gaps. If he can get into a little bit more pull um, power, uh, there could be a chance at a plus outcome with the power tool. I think it's there. I mean, the guy is extremely strong, and it, like there, there's a chance there for that. Um, uh, the swing and miss kind of cuts down on the hit potential. I know it's a uh, 300 average right now in AA. I kind of see it as an average hit tool overall uh, with plus power. Uh, speed is below average. Um, the defense isn't isn't the greatest uh, from my reports. Uh, but, I mean, it's an average defender, at least in a corner outfield position. He's playing primarily in right field. And at first base, I haven't really gotten any reports of him at first base. But, um, obviously, for fantasy purposes, we would much rather him be a corner outfielder than a corner infielder at first base. Uh, because, the obviously, the um, level that he needs to be at to be in a productive uh, everyday contributor in fantasy isn't as high um, as a position player. So I have him rated as an 8D prospect at this point. Um, uh, again, you know, this is a guy that was drafted uh, in the first round. Um, he was also a guy that missed a bunch of time because of, uh, of some heart issues that have uh, resolved themselves from, from my understanding. Um, obviously, he's playing now. He seems healthy. I think those are behind him, and I think this is a prospect that, um, you know, is somebody that we're still a little scared about because of his medical health injury, health issues, but a guy that maybe we need to continue to target, and if we're managing him already, he's a guy that we need to hang on to. Um, so that's Heston Kerstad of the Orioles, and uh, that's a good segue to the next guy, which is another Orioles prospect. Uh, Chase McDermott, who's a right-handed pitcher, um, six foot three, one hundred ninety-seven pounds. He's a twenty-four-year-old. He's a little older. Um, Two point seven zero ERA, one point one seven five WHIP, forty innings pitch, a forty-nine to twenty-six uh, K to walk ratio. I not necessarily sold on McDermott. Um, I think people are seeing a lot of uh, positives. Obviously, stat-wise, it's been a very positive year for McDermott. Uh, I, I, I see some of his pitches have taken a step up. But overall, I have concerns whether this is a starting profile or a reliever profile. McDermott is a longer limb delivery. Um, as mentioned, he's only 6'3", but it's, it's a very long limb and also um, a, a long arm path uh, to get to a high three-quarters delivery of I worry a bit with him. His slot will drift either direction. Either it will be uh, almost over the top, sometimes three quarters. Uh, uh, because of his long body length, he's able to um, achieve plus extension. We were talking about Mike Vassell earlier, kind of cutting himself off. McDermott kind of maximizes his extension, which helps plays up his fastball um, and, and his other pitches as well. Um, he's a four-pitch pitcher. Um the fastball is um, kind of the the big the big gainer here. Um, 
Uh, it's been sitting 94 to 97 miles per hour in the two starts that I scouted. Um, it's a high rider with late um, late movement profile. It's plus ride. Um, and then there's this late explosion. Mostly it's the arm side, but sometimes it's tailing away. Um, it, it, it's so explosive, I think he has a hard time corralling the pitch. So in the strike zone, that's one of his weaknesses. Um, 60% strike rate, what we normally want to see from a, um, a pitcher like this is around 65, 67, who has a uh, explosive fastball like this. 60% strike rate tends to be a guy that ends up in the bullpen. Um, 27% swing and miss rate, I think it's just because he's not throwing as many strikes, he's getting behind in counts, not really setting up guys the way that you would like him to set up guys. Um, he throws two very distinctive uh, breakers. Um, I liked his slider better uh, last year when it was more of a true sweeper. Um, he throws it in the um, low 80s, low to mid 80s. Um, uh, as I said, not as sweepy as uh, last year. He's been struggling with the feel. It's a two-plane breaker, but sometimes it's um, only the one-plane breaker, which is uh, primarily horizontal and it seems like it could get hit um, in that range by better hitters. Um, so I don't know what the deal is. It might have just been the, the games I scouted that it didn't seem like uh, it was up to snuff like it was last year. But, uh, you know, just be aware that that really, truly, um, it, it probably needs, it probably works better as a sweeper, especially with the high riding fastball. Um, it definitely works that way. Um, has a 12 to 6 um, curveball in the 75 to 77 mile per hour range. That's plus depth and late movement down, but it's it's kind of telegraphed. Um, sometimes he chokes the ball. When I say choke the ball, you can you can see a pitcher choke the ball. Um, you know, as before he delivers the ball, basically trying to get that even better break. Um, so hitters can can pretty much be told at that point uh, maybe lay off this pitch is probably going to be out of the strike zone um he also will slow his arm and his, his delivery on the on the curveball so that's a tell as well um low strike rate just like his slider um but a high miss rate um again you know picking up choking choking back the ball isn't always the easiest thing in a double a uh but by the major leagues that's pretty much snuffed out um so you know some concern there but between those two pitches, one of them should at least figure to be an above-average pitch by projection. So with a plus fastball and above-average slider or curveball um, and, and even a workable other breaking pitch, um, there's a good chance that this guy uh, will have the equipment to get major league hitters out, especially in the pen. Um, also, if there's a changeup, mid-80s, arm side favor, uh, fader no command uh, and struggles repeating his delivery with it struggles repeating um, the release point specifically um, it doesn't necessarily slow himself down I don't I didn't really see any tells there it's just a matter of uh, getting getting that pitch to the slot that he wants to deliver it at um, higher strike rate than the breakers um, but it, it, it's about average um, um, strike rate and um, uh, this current level, um, around 55, 56%. Um, my rating, 7C, uh, role set up a relief pitcher. Uh, I think this guy could thrive 
in that sort of role, especially if he throws enough strikes. The final player I'd like to cover today is actually a personal choice of mine. Um, I was going through some stats the other day and saw that this prospect has been completely destroying competition in AA uh, Texas League for Amarillo. He's uh, Ryan Bliss, a second base prospect for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's five foot six, 165 pounds, 23-year-old, a uh, right-handed hitter. Uh, I have a long history with Bliss. I initially saw him in 2018 uh, playing for Troop County here in Georgia um, on the amateur side. Might have been 2017 or 2017. Like it was a while ago, but um, he was a guy, a very rangy guy, very athletic guy, um, very um, weak arm. It was kind of obvious he wouldn't end up at uh, shortstop. Uh, went on to Auburn, had a terrific draft year. Um, uh, hit the ball so hard, so consistently, uh, especially for such a small guy. Um, this year he's really put up some big numbers. Uh, slash line is batting average 380, on base percentage 408, um, uh, 620 slugging, seven home runs, 12, 14 doubles, three triples, and he's also 14 for 19 in stolen base attempts. Um, so Bliss has an upright, slight open stance. It's an athletic build. Obviously not much, not tall. Um, he keeps his hands back in his stance near near the letters. There's a slight trigger once the ball starts coming. Kind of coils his body a bit. The moder- with I, I wouldn't say moderate, a small leg lift uh, to close up. Um, and he ends up closed um, when he unleashes his swing. Uh, it's now kind of a line drive oriented swing. He he has shortened it up from last year where he wasn't making hard contact. Where he had a, I mean, if you look at the stats, he had a, a big struggle last year in high A, um, which is more of a pitcher's uh, destination than where he's at right now. Uh, but I think some of this is real. So I think that's the reason why we're going to be covering it here. Um, there's some less uppercut in his swing. He's, um, so he's getting to the ball on time, which wasn't the case last year uh, with the longer swing, trying to elevate the ball. Um, but he's elevating the ball and hitting the ball fairly hard. I, I, I scouted about 15 games worth of plate appearances and um, was very impressed. I also uh, um, researched all of his home runs, his doubles, uh, to see, you know, really where everything's at. Um, uh, he, he looks more like the hitter we saw at Auburn, um, a guy that was um, pounding the ball to the pull side, and then um, working the right center field gap as a right-handed hitter um, on balls that are away. Uh, uh, the other wrinkle that he had at Auburn that has returned this year is his ability to inside-out hard fastballs that have essentially beat him and uh, send him to um, the opposite way. Um, it's a spray approach overall. Um, Dude is super aggressive at the plate. It's high swing rate with a high chase tendency, but there's plus back to ball skills, which have been there ever since he was uh, in high school at Troop County. Uh, he'll take a, um, we'll take pitch. Uh, um, we'll, yeah, sorry, folks. He'll take the pitch um, where it's thrown, uh, but he won't take the pitch, if that makes sense. Um, he is super aggressive. And I mean, you can understand. We said he was batting 380 with only a 408 on-base percentage. I mean, it's all going to catch up to him, right? Um, 
But, you know, he's also not afraid to inside pitches, um, inside out pitches as well, as I mentioned. Um, defensively, he sticks at second base. He has soft hands. He's rangy. Actually has probably shortstop range. He has a really weak arm. Um, and it's, uh, he's also a plus runner. Um, I, I do believe that that will probably kind of maintain. Uh, we've seen other prospects kind of come through this area, and he gets comp to a lot of the shorter guys. Uh, because he was such a good athlete. And a lot of the shorter guys tend to not really stick it short. They tend to move over to second, mostly because of range and arm. In this case, it's mostly it's just it's just the arm. Um I've increased his rating to a seven C. Um I feel like he um uh, I feel like this is this this renaissance, I guess, for a 23-year-old is true. I think he has uh corrected a lot of the issues that he had last season. I just don't necessarily see him as a huge fantasy guy as long as he um, is swinging at virtually every pitch. Um, so, like, a guy like this needs some patience because um, the Bapit's not going to be great at the next level, obviously, um, especially when you get to the major leagues. Um, you know, you can't hope for a wing on a prayer. Um, you know, it, it, this is a kid that's not um, necessarily going to get on base a lot if if against those major league pitchers when they you know figure out his weaknesses because everybody has weaknesses even you, even those with shorter limbs who seemingly can get to anything around the plate um, so seven C prospect starting second baseman uh, an organization with plenty of playing time if he can hit enough. The final segment of today's broadcast will be a pretty quick one, and that's really kind of my impression so far of all of these prospects that have debuted thus far this year. Um, uh, you know, this is not counting guys like Corbin Carroll, who's uh, still my favorite for NL Rookie of the Year. Um, I guess my AL Rookie of the Year uh, favorite is everybody's favorite at this point. And that is uh, Masataka Yoshida. Um, not necessarily a prospect we cover uh, on the Eyes Had a podcast. Um, I think the two things I've uh, you know really noted this year is uh, number one, um, it is hard for hitters specifically. I mean, it's hard for pitchers too, but it's very hard for hitters to take that jump to the next level um, unless you have very very good underlying hitting. Um, profiles. So, and what I mean by that, if you look at a guy like Corbin Carroll, a guy that is all around uh, refined. Um, and I think, you know, yes, he's an older guy, but I think that's one of the reasons why Yoshida has done so well uh, this year. Um, it's easier to expect um, results out of pitchers, especially rookie pitchers. Yes, I still uh, steam a lot of my pitchers at this point, um, looking for matchups, um, you know, Guardians keep on developing those good pitchers. Um, we got Tanner Beebe, and we also have got um, uh, Logan Allen, who have had tremendous debuts. Um, I've also, like, looking at a guy like Taj Bradley, a guy that I covered years and years ago, uh, 2018, um, with um, in high school, with Redan High School out of uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia. Um, uh, he's a kid that like, I will only use him in certain starts. Um, it's obvious the cream of the, the, the crop though, so far this year, I think is Hunter Brown. 
uh, of the pitching uh, of the pitchers. I think Yuri Perez also is a guy that uh, seemingly is going to battle against no matter who the opponent is. Uh, the stuff's so good. It's just a matter of knowing how long he'll go. Um, on, on a hitter side, I, I've been really impressed with what Brett Beatty has done um, when given the opportunity. He's not necessarily being managed right, uh, in my opinion. Um, I don't. I, I think a lot of Met fans will agree with this too. Um, and then finally, also like on that Met squad, Francisco Alvarez. Oh my God, that power man! Power he showed in Colorado was was was, was top notch. I know people hit the ball out. I know it's not the greatest pitching staff that he faced, um, but man, the dude can really hit the ball hard. Um, so like moving on for the season, the, the, the those guys, those those veteran hitters or veteran hitters, those rookie hitters that are. Um, that have accumulated a lot of time in the big leagues. Those are the guys I'm kind of targeting um, on the uh, waiver wire right now. I, I think that those are the guys that, uh, you know, if you notice so far, like Jordan Walker and a couple other guys, a couple other hitters that have been set down, it's almost like their struggles continued in, in, in AAA. Uh, the other dudes, the ones that are sticking it out, um, are starting to see some of the fruits of the labor um, of their labor and some of that trust that their organization had. And then to correct those uh, issues kind of really um, start to come out um, on the big league level. And then, of course, pitching. I, I, you know, I'm really looking forward to see how much Yuri Perez does pitch for the Marlins, given um, how much um, uh, time, little time that he's had. I shouldn't say how much, how little time he's had as a professional baseball player. And uh, it will be interesting to see if the Guardians run with BB and uh, Logan Allen for the rest of the, the rest of the year, especially with guys coming off injuries, uh, um, coming back to the rotation. I think both of them have dominated enough um, that they should have a chance uh, to stick it out for the rest of the year. Um, and it will be interesting to see when Grayson Rodriguez comes back uh, later on this year. Um, you know, he's had a bit of a rough, uh, rough go. Um, I think a lot of that's also that he uh, missed a good portion of last season. I think that, um, you know, getting him some, I, I'm not going to call AAA reps being um, uh, less stressful because I think there's some stress involved in them, but it's much less stressful than major league looks. There's not much on tap for me this week. So the what's on tap segment is, going to be kind of dull. Um, I'm going to write an article tomorrow for Thursday consumption um, on the website subscriber for um, my looks at James Wood and Jordan Holiday. Um, the two of the five guys I'm considering for uh, the top overall fantasy prospect entering June. Uh, so look for that. I will be busy watching video because both the Lookouts and the Rome Braves are out of town this week uh next week will be uh brent hershey um uh, co-host uh co-hosted uh episode um so we'll have some really good content from brent and from myself uh for this week thank you for joining us on this week's episode i would love to hear from you you can ask us questions at the eyes have it at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at C underscore blessing. Uh, Brent is at, uh, at Brent HQ. Um, you know, ask him questions as well. Um, maybe why he just 
you know, why he, um, you know, left me um, to only an every other week thing. Um, I would have had a guest this week, had one canceled on me um, and then tried to set up with two other people. And it just didn't work out. We'll have all three of those people on later on in, in the season. Um, hopefully it will work out and um, we'll get all three of them, uh, which will be great. Um, anyway, first time listening to the Eyes Have a Podcast clip, subscribe to get our future uh our future episodes and also look at some of our past episodes and tell us how we did on some of these prospects that we've been covering since 2021. I always like to hear that. Um, you know, I still get crap, uh, for an article I wrote in like the early, uh, 2010s on Aline Hansen and Gregory Polanco. Um, I missed them. It was at another site, uh, former site called baseball. Um, I almost said former site called Baseball HQ, a former site called Bullpen Banter that I used to write at. Um, I, I made a lot of great calls on that website. Didn't necessarily do well with those two pirate guys, even though Polanco had some go in the big leagues. Um, it's a shame. Um, I think both of them were um, very good players um, that just never really advanced um, beyond their skill sets. Um, and that happens sometimes. We're always projecting things. If this goes right, this goes right, and this goes right, then this player becomes that. And sometimes a player is exactly the same guy when you saw him in low A than he is when he gets to the major leagues. And sometimes talent can take him a few seasons in the big leagues like it did with Gregory Polanco. Um, Aline Hansen had some um, cups of coffee, some, some time in the big leagues. I, I don't know what his uh, uh, eventual service time was. Uh, but, like, they just never really progressed uh, beyond what we saw in low A. Um, so, yes, well, subscribe to us, rank us, spread the word about us, too. Um, may everyone out there have a great week. Uh, stay healthy. I Like I said, I've had the crud. Um, hopefully you don't get the crud. The crud really stinks. So stay healthy. Have a great week. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.